Yeehaw, hello and howdy. Thank you for joining us on the Canon Stats Podcast, the weekly Arsenal Analytics Podcast. I am Scott Willis and I am joined as always by my co-host Adam Bogey. Adam, I'm in mourning. You know why? Why? I what is I just that? had I just had my last 80 degree day for 2023 oh. <clears throat> and I didn't even get to do anything fun to be able to enjoy it. Uh, all I got to do was go take a, a nice walk in our beautiful sunshine. But uh, I was looking at the forecast and the high is 77 today and it's only going down from there. So uh, my my beautiful weather is going and winter is coming. I think uh, <clears throat> many people, including myself, would say you should be happy that that's happening for you in like mid to late October. We had we had I'm here in the American Midwest and we had uh, we had like an 80 degree weather like week i swear probably three weeks into september and even that was multiple lakes multiple lakes multiple weeks later than usual so i don't know what to tell you man you know i'm glad you at least got to go outside but uh you know we this is there's something there's something broken here with this model that you and i can't do whatever we want during the day maybe we need to raise the subscription prices yeah all right we need to you know dedicate all of our time and effort into this and, you know, screw these day jobs and you know, get that back. And I mean, that I mean, that'd be really nice. Yeah. You know? So um, if you, if you'd like to see us dedicate more time to this, you can always become a premium subscriber and we would give you, you know, great gratitude and love. Um, lots yes. to talk about, um, you know, even though we're coming back from a inter- international break, uh, got a big game this weekend. Do you, you consider this a big game? I, I think it's a big game. Yeah, I think, I think this is always a big game regardless of what the table says. Um, but I, I think that, I think that even the table is a little false position for Chelsea mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, you know, not necessarily that I think that they are, you know, like one of the top couple clubs in the league or anything like that, but are they, are they 11th? Are they 12th? It doesn't seem like it. Um, but you know, that, that said, I think we do need to continue building out like our, our sample that we're judging this from, because, you know, we're still in a place I feel like where there are definitely some winners and losers in terms of who's played whom. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll, I think we'll learn a lot about Chelsea in this game in particular. Yeah. I think that's a, an interesting thing, right? Cause it, we're, we're eight games into the season and I think schedule effects are pretty big still right now. I, I, I think Chelsea, um, along with Everton, are two teams that um, you know. I know there's the the Opta analyst expected points to actual points, and like where everybody's in the position for the the table has been going around uh, quite a bit. And both of those teams have significantly underperformed uh, from their expected points, but those teams have also had two of the easiest schedules thus far. Um, yeah. So it's a an interesting point of trying to figure out what is real from this and how much you uh, kind of translate this. So I, I was looking at that in the, the newsletter today, this morning. Um, so Chelsea are fourth in expected points. Um, when I look at it just on the stuff that's been going on this season, I have them ranked as fifth um, and, you know, kind of taking into a few other things. I think they're kind of roughly in that fifth, sixth range. But what do I just for the strength of the schedule they've played? They're only seventh. So it's it's a weird spot where I think they're still a good team and certainly better than their position in the table, but maybe not quite as good given they've had a, a very, very soft schedule. Well, I, and I guess my thing with Chelsea is that, you know, I'm just kind of a little bit flabbergasted and wondering, like, at what point does this weird goal scoring curse, like, stop? Because mm-hmm. I think that they... 
there was a number, like a big number down, down the stretch, especially last season, where they were going and like actually putting up solid amounts of XG, but coming out with zero or one almost every time. And, and that's happened again this season. Um, you know, Nottingham Forest sticks out in particular, if I remember correctly. That was really, really imbalanced. I think they took like 1-0 on the chin in that game. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think... Uh, I think the West Ham match was another one that was very similar to that West where they dominated that game. Yeah. West Ham have given up a lot of XG and been punished very little for it. So it's been it's been pretty interesting to see kind of how wild these swings have been. But, you know, I think... I, I guess you kind of look across the board, right? Like Nicholas Jackson has, has struggled to finish very well. Uh, obviously, Mudrick has had his problems. It's like, um, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm curious to see this play out for a longer period of time to understand, like, how much of this is uh, some kind of weird opposite of a purple patch. How much of it is like <laughs> a systemic problem at Chelsea where, you know, like it's a bad environment maybe that's reducing confidence and and it's, you know, that's giving all these guys, like it's making them into these like 10th percentile finishers because we, you know, we've seen, uh, I wouldn't say that like Werner was an especially great finisher or anything like that, but he was like solidly average uh, Mm -hmm. in Germany and he had one really good season of finishing. And then he went over there and just was terrible, like really like shambolic at finishing. And, it hasn't completely gone away back at Leipzig, but it's better. Um, and then obviously Kai Havertz is another yep. great example. He was he was always like right around average, uh, and went yeah, there. actually even slightly above at uh, Leverkusen. Yeah, and and then he just you know he goes there and it's it's a big problem for him again. So um, I, I'm curious, like, what is the cause of this? Like, is there did somebody like sacrifice? What is, isn't like the Red Sox or the Cubs had like a goat curse? Somebody brought a goat into the stadium or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I think like, that's the Cubs that had the 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 curse of the Billy Goat. Yes, that's something like that might be going on there. And it, if I were if I were a really big fan of Chelsea, I would honestly be a little bit worried um, that this strength of schedule and this level of underlying success. I mean, as you as you said in the preview that you put out today, like their radars look really good, mm-hmm. uh, both offensively and defensively. But but this like stretch has been met with so few points because they are going. I mean, I know that they played. They played Liverpool, right, on opening day. Yep. Um, but, like, you you need to get points from the games that you have to get points from, especially when you're this club that's like, you know, are they fifth through eighth place? Probably. Can they maybe push for fourth? You know, there's a chance. But you got to, like, them and Everton, like, you got you should have gotten a lot more points in the stretch, and it could really hurt you down the, down the road. Yeah, I mean, I think Everton has a, a a further to fall there because their problem, if they don't uh, kind of meet up with the expectations later, is they could be you know th- uh, threatened with relegation. While Chelsea, it's you know just missing out on Europe, which is probably still not good for their business model, um, where they're probably dependent on that. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm just looking here at their metrics. So yeah, West Ham. Uh, that game finished uh, three to one in favor of West Ham. Uh, the XG was one point eight to two point five. So Chelsea pretty bigly under uh, underrated there. I think there was a missed penalty, if I remember correctly. Uh, was that Enzo that missed a penalty? I could be oh, wrong missed, uh, yeah. by memory. Um, and then yeah, Forest was another one. They scored zero goals from two point three expected goals. Um, yeah, so they lost that one one to nothing. Uh, Bournemouth was another one where they got held to a 0-0 draw, uh, but created 1.8 expected goals. And then even the Aston Villa loss, um, which was a, a one other 1-0, they created 1.3 
and weren't able to score from. So just absolutely uh, some bad luck. They, they have uh, turned it around a little bit, right, with uh, some wins against Fulham and Burnley uh, with six goals and from just under four expected goals. So um, maybe maybe they've turned it around, but uh, still a, a very weird kind of set of numbers there. I, and I think the other thing that is like they are about to go through an incredibly difficult run. Uh, their their run to like mid uh, December is crazy. So they have Arsenal obviously this weekend. Um, they got Brentford, then they have Tottenham, Manchester City, Newcastle, Brighton, Manchester United. Like that could certainly be a pretty minimal points haul from them, and uh, maybe a Pochettino's job on the line, right? Yeah, I mean, I. I guess I I, w- I was saying the same thing about uh, about Potter. Like they couldn't possibly, right? Like they, they have to they have to give him more time, right? But who knows? Like that's that's pretty bad. You know, look. I just I think they're going to look at September and and August and be like, man, we should have been you know like in f- in fifth place and fourth place after that run. It's kind of like the inverse of Spurs. It's like mm-hmm. like I think I think start of season to date. They have not been the twelfth best team, but there's a very good chance that you know, let's say, a uh, couple weeks before Christmas, we're saying you know maybe they are the tenth best team because I, they will have dropped off even more. So, uh, or possibly right because I mean exactly some of, some of these games like I don't expect them to really do a lot against City with the way that that team is is built and what their strengths and weaknesses are. But like you know, could could they nip Spurs? Could they get something from Newcastle who you know might be down a midfielder for a significant amount of time? You know, you could see that. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things that's uh, plagued them is their injuries. So um, I was looking here at the, the report before the game today, and it looks like they're still dealing with a, a couple of key players out. So it looks like uh, Reese James is still a doubt for this match. So that might be a, a game time type decision. Uh, Borgia, who started at striker, um, came back from international duty with apparently a little bit of discomfort. So he might be a doubt. And then, you know, Ben Chilwell is out. So uh, down both fullbacks here. They do have uh, Mal Gusta, right, uh, coming back or Gusto. Gusto, uh, yeah, he's suspended. So he'll, he'll be coming back. So I, I guess what do you see kind of as their, their lineup here? Do you think it's going to be Gusto uh, on the left and maybe we'll get uh, Cucurella and maybe is it uh, Koval and Silva as the, the kind of the back line? Yeah, I was just looking at who they put out against Burnley. Um, yeah, I mean, it feels like, I mean, they have been, I feel like they've been starting DeSassi quite a bit. Um, yeah. So DeSassi, probably Tiago in the back. I would... I wouldn't be surprised if it was Colwell Cucurella, Cucurella instead of Malagusto. Like, I, I don't know that. I know he's had, I th- think he's had a couple of moments like going forward, but mm-hmm. I haven't especially ever thought all that crazy much about him. So um, I, you know, I could see them maybe, maybe sticking with that back line, but it seems like Gallagher is consistently going to get in. Uh, yeah, it'll probably be the, the Gallagher, uh, Casado, Enzo midfield. Most likely. Uh, it looks like a pretty good midfield overall. Yeah, I mean, it seems you definitely have. Uh, I mean, Gallagher is just—he's like he's—he's he's one of those guys where I feel like if he's in, if he actually was a full timer at Crystal Palace instead of just having been on loan there, like I feel like everybody in England would rate him and want him mm-hmm. to, to be at their club. Uh, kind of, we'll call it the Ivan Tony effect. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Caicedo and Enzo, I, there's just a lot of like a lot of talent and ability there, um, regardless of like the moments that they have where where we can laugh at them. Um, you know, Caicedo occasionally disastrous this season. Um, but yeah. And then I think you probably, it seems like maybe Cole Palmer 
has one of those wing spots on yeah, lock. Locked down. Um, and then yeah, Sterling on the other side, who's had a, a bit of a, a bounce back, which is as he, Sterling is a guy that always had a little bit of a, a soft spot for. I, I've always liked him. So I, I, I kind felt, of feel a little bit better that he's looking good. Although I hope he has a horrible, horrible performance. Yeah. This week, bad performance, but I think uh, I, I always felt like the, 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 the tales of his demise were greatly exaggerated. If you, if you look at um, some of his stats from last season for Chelsea, I mean, he was still like 90th something percentile for carrying it into the box and um, just created a lot of chances, you know, despite them being awful um, relatively speaking. So, I mean, and, and with Broja out, I mean, Nick Jackson, I suppose would be, would be the, the nine. So, yeah. And he's kind of, I mean, he's another one of those guys where I remember like with Liverpool, the Liverpool game, he was getting a lot of praise and, you know, he didn't score, but people were very kind of taken with what I'll call an Eddie and Kedia style uh, performance. And uh, yeah, but, you know, maybe true to Eddie and Kedia style, he's also kind of struggled to replicate like that really, really red hot streak that he had second half of last season. So but you know it's it's not it's not a bad lineup. Like I th- I think I think there's there's been um, I agree with I think you posted it that that this, I don't think this is like as much of a given as some people mm-hmm. are are fra- framing it. Could it be Arsenal's first loss? Like possibly, yeah. I mean, if they're not careful, so uh, just focus a lot on control and hopefully get two good two good fullback performances like we did against City. Yeah, and this is the the second match in a row where my metrics and I think the betting odds are both have us under fifty percent for winning this one. So we're still the favorite, um, you know, compared to City, where City were the favorite, but not the the dominating type of favorite that we've seen so far this season. So I think it's still going to be a potentially difficult match for us. And I think that does go into kind of the next section is, you know, how, how is Arsenal going to line up to be able to kind of do this? Um, I think the, the back line kind of picks itself um, unless you see any massive changes. I think the only one, maybe, you know, Gabrielle coming back from uh, South America, uh, you know, big, you know, in there. So like maybe that one changes. Do you see anything changing? I think, I think it's going to be as expected. I think uh, the only, the only question I have is, is going to be about the midfield is if this, is this the Odegaard Rice party game or is this Havertz sticks in there and we stick Rice at six? Um, You know, I think that either could make sense. Uh, It's it's a big enough game that you certainly could justify saying like, this is our controlling lineup that we're going to use, you know, against, uh, against yeah, the game Mac- away from away from home those kinds of things mm-hmm. and against and Arteta I mean he he kind of showed his his some of his uh, like ideals a little bit I think last week or last week you know uh, two weeks ago there's my dog uh two weeks ago um with City where where he did clearly like uh what am I what am I going for emphasize kind of that more control versus the the stronger like attacking dynamism throwing Rice, Jorginho and Odegaard out there so uh, wouldn't surprise me if it was that midfield, but with party instead of Jorginho. Yeah, I think that's probably the way I'm leaning right now. Um, the one thing that's kind of creeping into there is, uh, do we see him go back to party at right back? Um, do we see anything like that to, to bring back some of our, our early starts to try to squeeze all three of his players in there? So we don't have to make the choice of is it either uh, party or Havertz or Rice, um, but to try to squeeze all three in there. Um, but then that would be like, all right, what do we change on the, the left-hand side? Because I don't think you do party and Zinchenko in this match together. Yeah. 
I think I, yeah, I, I mean, having had a lot of time to think about it back at the beginning of the season, I, I feel like I agree with this, that this idea that Zinchenko and Gabriel are kind of like a, a little bit of a tandem and a package deal, you know, and, and party is kind of the opposite of that package um, where he's, he's your inverted right back when you don't have an inverted left back. So, you know, it'll, I think either or um, rather than both like you, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I guess I struggle to find a truly like droppable player in the back right now. Yeah. Um, I would, I would definitely not, uh, you know, could it happen? Sure. But um, I would not agree with changing the back four at this stage. And I would say, you know, if, if you want to argue anyone is droppable in the lineup, I mean, it's, it's more the midfield it's, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, Saka has been great. I think Jesus has been very good. Martinelli, obviously, game-winning goal against City. So I wouldn't look at dropping any of those guys. Um, you know, Odegaard and Havertz, they're probably the two, like, least impressive players who are regular starters in the 11 right now. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty fair way to do it. And I think that then also goes into the the front line now, where I, I think if everybody's healthy, we, we know who the lineup is. But it is the question of, is everybody healthy? Um, I think the big one right now is Saka coming back. He did get, you know, the two weeks off for, you know, which is really nice. So hopefully he can come back from his injury. Um, I, I don't expect Arteta and he didn't give us anything coming in from his press conference about what it is. And I did not expect him to actually give anything. Um, I don't know if you had to feel for right now, is Saka ready coming back? Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Um, so I think I think this might be our, our first time we get to see the the full real front line together. I think yeah, outside of what I, we saw, like twelve minutes of it. Yeah, and i i put in uh, I put in one of my pieces recently. I think is the Odegaard piece that um, that Martinelli, Saka, Jesus front line started the first fourteen Premier League games last season before the World Cup. Obviously, I think many people would count that probably the first nineteen overall, give or take, as the best. Arsenal stretch of last season, like pretty significantly. Right. So, yep. um, you know, now here we are, this is game number nine in league play. And, and this, this is, is well, the game nine of the league. Yes. Yeah. So this is, and this will be game one that we see them together. And that's including two group stage games where I think if healthy, all three of them do start. So that's exciting to me. I mean, as much, as much love as I have for Trossard and as much love as I have for Enkedia, like, you know, I, I want, like, I want the meat and potatoes of this team to be that front three. And the other guys are are fill-ins. Um, that's when I think Arsenal's at its best. So that's that's what I'm hoping for. Um, you know, I know that there's been a little bit of caterwauling about how much Inkedia has played already this season. <laughs> um, but I I wouldn't exactly say like Arteta is choosing him from for a tactical advantage. I think it's just because you know half the time it's Jesus is out and half the time it's Martinelli is out, and then some of the time it's two of those guys are out. Saka's out, so. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see those three together because that's a really like a really formidable group. And it just it just very much feels like um, I think some of some of Arteta's like commentary about number nines. Yeah, there was some some good quotes from the, the press conference today. So I have it here. So it says, I think having players with different qualities gives you different options. And it's always related to the opponent, what behaviors they have and what other players you have around the number nine. If you have midfielders, there's wingers wanting the ball to feet, a nine that wants to come to feet, attacking midfielders that are holding midfielders, you don't have any threat. If you have a nine that wants to come forward, attacking midfielders, constantly threatening that last line, proper wingers, then it becomes a different threat 
you have players in the last line that can progress the play? Do you have players in that last line that can link with those pockets and make runs that attract central defenders? It depends a lot on the qualities of all of these players. You can't just isolate the nine. You have to see the whole thing, how it connects and what kind of threats and things that you can do. So I think that's a pretty interesting kind of quote. Um, and it kind of goes into kind of like the next section of where we wanted to potentially go with some of this uh, Eddie, Tony type of debate. Um, to me, this sounds like him saying he wants as many options as possible. So like, I don't think he's throwing completely cold water on any sort of Tony speculation, but also that I think he's trying to look at it, not just from a perspective of the nine it's a you know a holistic picture of what he wants to be able to do to bring in the other players that we have i mean it, it feels like an extension of of um the kind of the squad building principles that have been used in all the other positions right i mean urian timber comes in and he's not you know he plays right center back at the club where he is uh you know initially acquired from and all of his appearances in arsenal have been two different positions he's got thomas party who plays uh, you know, DM and he's molding him into a, a right back part-time Ben White acquired as a center back. And now he's a right back, you know, Zinchenko is a left back who basically is a midfielder. I think it's just, I think it's just, it's uh, it's, it seems to just really speak to this idea um, that Gabriel Jesus is like such a good example of, which is like, yeah, you know, on the team sheet, he wears number nine. Uh, we line him up in the middle at the start of the game, uh, the middle attacker, but um, you know, there are going to be times when he's out touching the right touch line or the left touch line, or he's in the midfield. And I think that's, I think, I, I just, I really strongly suspect, and I think it's played out a little bit, but we haven't seen a lot of Jesus with Havertz so far, but I, I suspect that there's an idea that there's some, some uh, rotation that's going to happen with those two when they do play together. And I mean, you know, we've, we've also seen uh, Rice play two different midfield positions at a minimum. Right. Yeah. But I might say more than two. <laughs> right. um, so yeah, our 50 plus formations. Yeah. I just, I just think that, I just think that there's really something there about like, I think he just wants, he wants players with abilities and skills and, um, you know, call them what you want, but this is how I use them. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not exactly just like to do the one job, like, uh, by and large, you look at Holland and he's like number nine in yep. the box, uh, there to you know he's a hammer you set up the nail for him and he bangs it bangs it in and uh, i think it just it just kind of speaks to like wanting a lot more than that just not not a one-trick pony so and i think that you can get away with a one-trick pony if he's the best one-trick pony in the world and you surround him with and you surround him with uh i don't know what you say like cowboys who all (laughs) uh fit into the abilities that the the pony does like if, if you've got one of the best goal scorers in the world, like what do you surround them with the best chance creators in the world? And I mean, the literal best chance creator in the world is already there. So uh, it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously if we're talking about somebody other than Manchester city, maybe it's a little bit more of a challenge to get exactly the right pieces for him. But uh, yeah, it's just when, and it's also um, when the one trick is like the most important trick, that's a little bit different too. Um, Absolutely. You know, I know we've had that conversation with Tony where, you know, maybe we consider his trick to be a little bit different and he's mm-hmm. not, he's not a one trick guy by any means, but he does have some things that I think make it are, are his biggest distinguishing features. And, um, you know, they're not being a prolific open play goal scorer. 
Yeah. Would, would it surprise you if I've been uh, called uh, not normal? <laughs> um, because I, I brought this on myself again, um, talking about Tony and Eddie, um, you know, just really kind of thinking through because I don't know, I, maybe I am weird here where I, I did a little bit of kind of like probabilistic kind of thinking. It's like what like in uh, trying to put a, a chance on how much I think. Tony is better than Eddie and Kedia. And, you know, I came to kind of like the, the 60 to 70%. And I, I got a lot of people telling me, no, it's 100% that we're better than... And, and I just really struggle to come to that level of certainty right here. So I don't know. Uh, you, you did respond a little bit. So I want to give you a chance to, to, you know, also take on some of this heat from, you know, is, is he 100% better? I think, I think it's just like a paradigm that... yeah a lot of people aren't necessarily equipped to view things through. Um, the reality is that even in seemingly given situations, the reality is that that's not 100%. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of a ridiculous one. Like take Holland and put him on Luton town. You know, you'd be like, Oh, hundred percent. He's better there. Well, I mean, it's not a hundred, is it, you know, so I think people are getting a little, a little too hung up on that whole number thing, but I mean, yeah, I mean, to, to me, is Ivan Tony better than any, any kid? I think he is. Um, and again, I, I think so too, right? Like yeah, I 60 to 70 means you think he, he is too, but people, people see that 30 to 40 and they're like, what, what's wrong with you? You know, uh, because for most people it's either yes or no. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a hundred either. I, I certainly think that you take a, a player out of a position where, as you very, I thought very uh, convincingly argued, he has a, a whole team and system built to match his strengths, and you ask him to play, let's say, more of a Gabriel Jesus style number nine. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really understand, to be honest, this idea that he's a plug and play fit for Arsenal's a current attack. Like I don't see him. Uh, post up, you know, in the box and bring players into the play from there when mm -hmm. I watch this film. Like, I don't see him do that. Um, I see him make creative plays. Yes, but he's two thirds of the way up the pitch and his creative play is a ball in behind. That's, yeah. that's what he does. Like that's his, that's his creative skill. And that's also why his pass percentage is so low is because his, he's got a very aggressive like style of creation. He's going to, he's going to pass it either way. And it's either going to look brilliant or it's going to look really bad. Um, and that's why he's like 59% or something as a passer. So yeah, I think, I think you take those skills and you put them in a system that is not, I mean, Arsenal are not playing direct They're Yeah. I mean, Raya can hit him with that free kick clearly, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, our, our club's going to defend Arsenal the same way that they defend, uh, Brentford. No, it's going to be completely different. So yeah, I think one of the things that really stuck out to me, so watching the clips that you had watching on uh, Arsenal Vision, they did a, a scouting video on him just recently. And one of the things that just does not show up is a lot of moments that I would recognize as teams playing in a similar style to what they do against Arsenal. So there, you don't see the the low blocks with no. uh, seven, eight, nine players behind the ball and his movement and how he deals with that. So I know one of the things that also kind of came up in both of us kind of doing our analysis is that when Brentford has had those type of situations where they have had more of the ball and they haven't, and they've had to adjust his numbers, just 
reflect that that it's not quite at the same level as what it is and this isn't to say that it's impossible for him to do it right because you know he's he'd be moving to a team that has a lot better players around him like mm-hmm. how do you adjust for that it's hard you can't say it with a lot of certainty but it's also not fully certain that he would fit perfectly into that um, i looked back at his numbers at the championship with brentford when they had a little bit more of a possession type game and yeah his numbers were good but they weren't like they didn't scream out to me elite um, to be able to do it. Um, I looked kind of at you know what, what Ollie Watkins did the season before, and I came across a lot more impressed with Ollie Watkins than I did kind of looking at Ivan Tony. Um, I, you know, everybody kind of points to you know the, the high level numbers, the you know the goals scored because and the, actually even the sets because I think he had forty uh, combined in the championship. But yeah. again, it's it's again padded a lot with the penalties. Um, you know, he's a twenty goal scorer, but it's only fourteen from non penalty. And then even then, over the last two years, his open play goals have only been twelve um, over two seasons, and like that's just not great. Like Edin Kedia is up there with uh, that on his you know open play goals uh, coming in there, and like it's just. I think then the other side of that is the how good is actually Edin Kedia? I'm still not fully certain on that right now. Um, I, I want to doubt him. I am a, I've been accused of being a, an Eddie and Kedia hater, but I think I, I come in with a pretty, I'm trying to come in with a pretty open mind on him. I've, I've had doubts. And every time I do that, he seems to rise to the occasion with yeah. what he's able to do. Um, I, I, I had major questions if he could be the backup player. And I think that he's kind of answered them that, yeah, he's, he seems to be uh, a solid backup for Arsenal. Like, obviously he's not, a starter quality for a team that wants to be a title challenger, but can he provide enough to do that? And then you start getting into, I think the even more and harder question of, is it worth the money uh, to be able to try to bring in a Tony? So I, it'll be more on this, but uh, I don't well, think it's worth yeah. it. it. There, there are, there are so many layers to the idea, to the conversation that this whole thing is built on. And, and I'm glad that I'm glad that part of it for you is um, is is in Kedia. How good is he? Because I think I think we can now say pretty safely that three consecutive seasons Arsenal have suffered some sort of unforeseen circumstance up top at number nine, mm-hmm. where Kedia has been forced into literally like he was he didn't win, go win those minutes. He got in because people were injured. Uh, or, or because, you know, somebody, uh, forced his way out of the team and the other guy was not getting the job done. Um, and, and literally in each of the circumstances, I know people are going to want to point to like the last two or three games of that nine, nine start stretch last season and say, but, but, but he missed these chances and we didn't get these wins. But like, but ask yourself when Gabriel Jesus went down with his knee injury in November, what was the, what was the narrative about what was was going to happen to Arsenal? It was Dude. over. I literally, I literally saw people saying Arsenal will be outside of sixth by the time Gabriel Jesus comes back. Did that happen? No. They were still in first place when he came they back. Were in first place when Eddie and Kedia got replaced for that game against Everton. Everton uh, when Trossard oh, came West back. Ham came back. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah, which one. Yeah, but yeah, they were in. They were in first place when Eddie and Kedia took over a starting spot for Lacazette last season. Uh, I think was his first game, Stamford Bridge, Chelsea, Arsenal, Arsenal, it was either first or second. Arsenal won that game. <laughs> Arsenal beat Manchester United on an Eddie Nketiah brace. Arsenal have started Eddie Nketiah, what, six times in the first eight league games? Arsenal have not lost a game this season. They dropped uh, 
up they've, they've dropped four points in two draws um did he he didn't start against spurs did he he i know he didn't start against fulham but he was he was almost the reason that arsenal won that game yeah because he came on uh, with a very strong 45 minutes um against fulham right yeah and uh i think maybe that was trossard who started it yep it was and um and then so I mean, this is this is three seasons. Well, Eddie, Eddie actually has started all but one of the games this season, right? Oh, so it's only player. only Fulham. So yeah, he started he did against... Start against Spurs. And yep. yeah, now that I now that I think about it, he wasn't good. He wasn't very good against Spurs. But the point doesn't really rest on that. The point rests on is he doing the thing that a backup needs to do, which is come in, maintain the level enough that it's not hurting the team. Absolutely, like there is not an argument that he has not successfully done that three seasons running he absolutely 100 has now whether you think that he's good enough to fit your standard of what you think he should be whether you think he's good enough to be a full-time starter at arsenal irrelevant like that's not the conversation i do not encounter people who are saying and should be starting over gabriel jesus i don't encounter people saying that no the people the people who want Ivan Tony because they think he's like the last piece to the puzzle to turning Arsenal into like Champions League winner, Premier League winner. They think that he's going to be like a superstar for Arsenal. They don't think that he's going to come in and back up Jesus. The people yeah, who, they think he's going to displace Jesus. Yes. And then there are people who are maybe more like me or you who are like, yeah, you know what? Maybe he is an upgrade from Enkedia. But is he is he an 80 million pounds upgrade? Is he a 60 million pounds upgrade? When you is he have even a, a 40 million pound upgrade? Is, maybe. I don't know. Because part of this is that Enkedia would also most likely have to leave. And what are you going to get for Eddie Enkedia in January on a hundred thousand pounds salary? Like it's, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't think like I, I made fun of a post that I saw that had him getting 35. I think that's way too high. <laughs> I think, you know, if you want proof, just look at Balogun, right? He 26 initial price. Like I think Eddie is probably a little bit lower than that even. So it's, it's, uh, it's just the argument swerves off into so many weird places so quickly. Um, and for me, like I, I posted this very, this was part of my res- response to what you had posted about Tony earlier this week was that if Arsenal are going to spend more than say like 50 million pounds on a striker, I think either he's better than Jesus now, or he could be one day or should be one day. And Tony for me is over two. So Eddie is also over two, but guess what? Eddie already plays for Arsenal. <laughs> he is already an Arsenal player. Um, yeah, they extended him, but guess what? Like, they would have spent a lot more to sign another backup level player. And whether Tony wants to even do that, I think is a good question. Or yep. whether he just wants to leave Brentford, which could just be it could just be that simple. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, so big Champions League match coming up as we switch gears. Yeah. So we're we're in a. It's probably a spot that I think that neither of us would have liked to have seen. Um, only three points from the first two matches. Um, so this this makes this match coming up. So we're going away to Sevilla um, yes. here on Tuesday. Uh, a, kind of a must win, I think, for, for Arsenal here to, to get back on track. Um, I, I still feel pretty confident in the team's ability to get out of the group. But uh, now needing to win here, I think, to win or to put us in a really good spot for winning the group, right? Yeah, I mean... So the next two games will both be against Sevilla. And one thing, I think one thing that Arsenal are fortunate to to have going in their favor right now is that nobody else is really controlling like the performances in this group. Um, It's been pretty muddled so far. Sevilla have drawn against both Lons and PSV. 
Uh, PSV obviously lost Arsenal. Lons beat us, but uh, had the draw against Sevilla. So it's all it's all a little mixed for everybody, right? Obviously, the mm-hmm. win and the loss for Arsenal. So um, I think that that is that is a you know a small favor that probably works in Arsenal's in Arsenal's direction. Um, so yeah, it, but it's it's a big game. Um, Arsenal obviously have the advantage in terms of talent by a pretty significant margin in, in my mind. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, um, you know, I mean, what yeah, else? They, they just had to fire their manager. So um, things are not going perfectly rosy um, right. over in Spain. And this is the second second consecutive season where they're in the teens in the La Liga table. Uh, this is not like a false position after four games, like Lons being in 15th in France. This is like a long-term thing that's been going on for a while. They've, they went through three managers uh, or they've gone through three managers since the beginning of last year. So, uh, you know, it's it's not a very high level of talent. They haven't done a great job of really recruiting since they've let some of their guys like Jules Koundé go. Diego Carlos left that season too. Uh, so it's it's a bit of a crappy situation for Sevilla, for sure. Um, both of their next two Champions League games here on the 24th, and then they'll come back to London on November 6th, 8th. Um, and that's that's tough for them um, because they also have a couple league games in there. They play Real Madrid this weekend. So, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be super easy for them. Um, it's going to be a lot like Lonzo. The fans are going to be really hyped for it. It's one of their biggest games of the season. Um, and, you know, just mentally prepare. It's going to be Arsenal starting 11. It's not going to be rotated. So just deal with it. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a, a good spot to end it. Um, I think a, a real good... Uh, big, you know, moment for for Arsenal. Hopefully, I, I was looking at this, and you know, I think there's been a lot of, you know, kind of the the hand wringing about the attack, um, and I think that this is kind of the the run for Arsenal where we can hopefully start to see if this is a real problem or if this is something that just actually having the players back solves. So um, I think we'll. Yeah, if it's if we feel like we're right at the cusp of being able to kind of like answer some of the questions that we have uh, with the sample size getting bigger. Yeah, and sometimes I mean, you know, people don't like to to simplify things very much these days, but sometimes it is as simple as like Arsenal haven't had a single full strength game all freaking season. Like, what you expect them to come out and win every game four nil three like when they've got multiple starters injured every game? Like the injury luck for Arsenal has been inarguably terrible, like mm-hmm. really, really bad. Bukayo Saka finally missed a game. Like how bad of injury luck does Arsenal need to be having for that to happen? Like really bad. So getting everybody back, I think that's, that's a great first step. Um, you know, I mean, what else can you say, but they just beat Manchester city. Like we can't have that many doubts about this team's levels. It was just deserved win, uh, which was partially gotten through having great depth for great sub performances. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's just a lot to, a lot of good going on. And hopefully after Sevilla, we don't have people ready to pack it in. Yeah. And hopefully, yeah, we got a, a good performance this weekend to get a, a good midweek performance. And then when we talk again next week, uh, the mood around Arsenal, which is still weird, right? Cause like we're, we're tied for top of the table. We just beat our biggest ri- uh, title rival. Um, things are still a little on edge. Social so. media really, really values style points a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the the things that get people riled up that, that go. And you know what? Um, to be fair, I, I can't, you know, say I'm blameless, right? Because I, I pick at the, the Eddie Tony thing um, and get people riled up too. So um, Adam, yeah, great. I hope you enjoy your weekend. Um, are you gonna be able to, to go to the, the Midwest meetup for, for Arsenal? Or are you? Yeah, I think I'll, I should be making an appearance there. So uh, we'll see. I'm not sure which part I'll be at, but still trying to figure that out. So yeah, Keep hope you 
yeah, have good fun at that. Um, you know, make sure uh, Elliot keeps his self under control. Um, make sure Paul doesn't uh, say anything uh, too stupid and gets himself in trouble. Let's make sure nobody's recording him because he's going to say something at some point. Yeah, you can't stop Paul. You can only hope to contain him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably drop a, a Les Dudis and get himself sued from James McNicholas uh, for you know copywriting or trademark infringement. James has probably already got the suit typed up. He's just waiting to use it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, you know, right. He probably got the, the two for one deal. You know, it's like, you know, the, the lawyer already is there drafting the documents for him. So you might as well you know, save him some time later. Just copy paste a bunch <laughs> of it. Uh, all right. Uh, cheers, y'all. Thanks for, for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you on the next one.